This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. I think the AOY is pretty much wrapped up over on the BPT, folks. Uh, group B currently competing on the water qualifying day two, stop seven on Malax. Uh, and Jacob Wheeler uh, currently in third. I don't think statistically he can get beat now. Jordan Lee was quite a few points behind him after that. So it looks like we have Brandon Polinick on the bass side and Jacob Wheeler on the BPT side. And the scary thing about both of those guys is uh, they will probably be in that very familiar position for the next 20 to 30 years. So a couple dynasties, one on the bass side, one on the uh, BPT side over there in uh, Polinick and Wheeler. Now, obviously, it's not officially still on the water uh, on day two. Uh, Group A. Uh, Mark Daniels Jr., Josh Bertrand, and Stephen Browning. Lee actually finished in fourth. He did everything that he could in Group A. There obviously weights are zero. Daniels moves on to the finals. But uh, over in uh, Group B, Alton Jones leading, and then Connell Wheeler, KVD, making a push for it. So uh, we will have a much clearer picture of what the BPT field will look like next year after the conclusion of this event. I know that there uh, are a lot of uh, different things that could possibly go as far as retirements and requalifying, restructuring of the field as far as who's in and who's out for next year. But uh, Jacob Wheeler looks like, I think I'll call it a little prematurely there, your angler of the year on the BPT. Someone also who is vying for an opens. Angler of the year, ah, he's, he might be a little too far back on that. But we do have the Red River and Hartwell and Rayburn left, three Bassmaster Opens. Uh, and I could see I could see Bradley going on a little roll in the last three events. There he is from, uh, not from his studio at home, Mr. Bradley Hallman. Uh, this is the Chesapeake Bay Recap Show, and we're also going to get into a bunch of other stuff. But Brad, thank you for jumping on BTL this morning. Yeah, you sounded a little tired earlier this morning. I was like, man, Matt's having a rough go this morning. Usually you're such a chipper, early bird person. You Did I pick little- it up for the show opening, though? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was. I was feeling it. It's it's we're right in the middle of this crazy stretch um, where it's it's open week off, open week off, open week off, open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to get the BP- BTLs uh, racked in there and then get ready for the next open. So it's a a little bit stressful right now, uh, but it's all good. I got no complaints whatsoever, so try to keep the energy up for it. But you have all sorts of reasons to be energetic this morning. Why are you at Grand, first of all? 
Yeah, I'm here at the uh, lake house that Watson and I have. Um, and I got to get out today because the uh, BFL Super Tournament is this weekend. And when I came in on Sunday and there were some guys leaving and uh, there's some guys checking in today, so I got to get out. But, uh, man, I was headed home, dude. I was headed home just like you were. And um, my wife had been telling me how everyone at the house was sick and – They've been to the doctor and they've all tested for COVID and it all comes back negative, but they've got some kind of virus that the doctor's telling them it's going to take two weeks to get over and they're running temperatures and sick. And my wife's like, look, man, this is, I feel bad. Like you don't want this. I don't think you should come home. And uh, I was like, ah, I'm going home. You know, I want to see my kids and stuff. And um, she called me. I was about Joplin, Missouri on uh, Sunday. Almost she's, home. Yeah. She's like, dude, I'm serious. And I was on 44, and I was like, man, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? So I thought of this. I needed to come by here anyway to work on a little key code for the garage. And um, I stopped in here, and then she called me. And I was like, look, you're going to have to tell me not to come home because I'm coming. And she's like, I am telling you, do not come home. She said, you'll be sick down at the Red River. You'll have everybody else sick. You'll be miserable. It's not worth it. So I'm not going home, unfortunately. I'm, I'm staying here for a few days. And like I say, i got to get out of here. But I've got plenty of folks up here at grand lake but um yeah looking forward to the red river uh did some tackle yesterday everything's set up here great you know for fishermen it's almost like being at home i've got the shop the boat pulled in the shop and was able to tear everything apart from uh, all my rods were still laying on the deck for my last five minutes at at uh the chesapeake so pretty big disaster yeah so you got a vrbo at grand then like if you're yeah. a bto listener and you're on fishing a derby on grand you can book your vrbo yeah yeah you can call james watson or myself um i don't even know how to do the content or the context of it but it's on there it's fisherman's paradise on vrbo or airbnb that's what it's called yeah fisherman's paradise well heck dude we got a shop where you can stick three bass boats in it and shut the door really yeah yeah, well, is this your first foray up. into the VRBO world? What's that? Is this your first foray into the VRBO? I know you've mentioned it. You haven't really talked about it much. Is it a pain in the butt? Like, it seems like VRBO and like would be a pain in the butt. No way, man. Clean lady came yesterday. Um, it's easy. And, you know, it's all fishermen. They're just like us. So, you know, we stay in VRBOs. We stayed in one last week up in Maryland. Great. On the water. They're, they take care of it just like we do for the most part. I mean, they're older men, family men. They, they take care of it just like it's their house. I mean, you know, things get broken just like they get broken at our house just from use. Mm -hmm. But dude, we haven't had any problems at all. It's just our first year with it. Um, it's it's done well. It's it's a great place for fishermen. It's right on the Horse Creek here by the, by the lake and uh, right here in the town of big town of Bernice. Speaking of VRBOs, we'll just get this off of the off the table right off the hopper we did stay at a lovely vrbo this past weekend at the chesapeake bay which is uh the topic uh mainly the topic of today's show i also want to get into bass kind of a, uh there was a big article uh, i believe that uh david brown wrote it uh that really explained more the uh rules and the reasoning for uh going uh having to fish all nine to qualify for the Bassmaster elite series next year they also came out with the top 10 lakes in the country uh and you've fished all of them i believe so i wanted to go through and see what your thoughts were on on Bassmaster's top 10 lakes uh number one is very interesting i don't think you might agree with that one but other than that i think it, that it might be a little congruent with your thoughts uh but we did we did have an interesting vrbo 
uh, situation this past week. And if you follow Brad uh, Bradley on his Instagram, his social media accounts, you know, like one of the things we always do is we uh, we grill. We grill out like every single time. And sometimes I bring the Traeger, but I haven't been able to bring the Traeger this year because it's a long story. I had a transmission go out at the beginning of the year, and then the guy put the truck on the trailer backwards, and then it ripped my topper off. So now I have no place to put. Long story short, I don't have the. So we're using the grills at the house, and this, the, the, grill it was just a, like a used grill anyway i had a meltdown over the grill we had caught like three fish in 10 days on the chesapeake bay uh and and the guy comes <laughs> watches your instagram post about how it's a dirty grill he comes and cleans the dang grill the next day that's like the greatest vrbo service i've ever seen in, in my life yeah he was shadowing my uh, social media I didn't realize that he was. I mean, I would have. I never thought the homeowner. Like, I, I don't even know who the guys are staying here this week. It crossed my mind, though. It did when we were doing it. I was like, I hope he doesn't watch it and doesn't take this like I, I just super didn't think, seriously. I, I didn't think about it, dude, because I don't. Like I said, I, I've owned VRBO, and I don't. I don't know who all's coming and going. A lot of times, I mean, some weeks I do, but like, I'm not. I'm not trying. Ah, we lost Bradley. He got a. Uh, you're back. And now we don't have audio. Someone called him on his phone, and now we don't have audio. So he's gonna have to click his audio. He needs to put it on uh, on Do Not Disturb. Is it there? Yeah, you guy got your back now. Tater Johnson calls me every day without fail. Uh, buddy of mine I grew up with in East Tennessee, and Tater calls at least twice a day. Yeah, I need to I need to put that in the list for the BTL thing. You should put your phone on do not disturb during the calls because that's my main issue with that is it just goes goes blank. But anyway, we're back. So we're staying at the VRBO, and the guy comes out and cleans the grill. I felt so bad because it was like a it was like a, I'll say that house was a nine point five out of ten. It was, dude. We had a dock. We were out on the water, um, especially up there with uh, the parking at the boat ramp and the $20 boat ramp fee a day up there. Um, we were able to get an extra hour of sleep and we had a boat ramp right next to our house. It was private. Um, we had a lift. I put my boat in the lift every night, day on the dock. I literally never started my truck from the time I put my boat in the water the first day there. I never got until the day I got my truck out when we left. So it was, it was pretty awesome. All right, let's jump right into the tournament then, then we'll get into everything else. So typically, uh, like I said, you're in studio here and we have video clips, uh, which uh, probably don't translate very well over iTunes, so I'm not that heartbroken about it. But just based on the fact that you are uh, up at Grand and have been traveling and I just got home, no video clips for this one, but we'll walk our way through it. A very pivotal open. So you came into this in uh, eighth place, I believe, in the overall uh, point standings. Uh, this was the final Northern. You're out of it in the Northern points, but a very pivotal tournament for you to go into the final three within shot of that top three, which looks like it'll be a top four now because Keith Pochet punched his ticket uh, through the Northerns and is also second in the overall. Uh, but but for you coming into the Chesapeake, uh, this had to be one that you were really looking forward to and then maybe got a little bit scary as practice went on and you saw how volatile the fishery was and how kind of unpatternable it was for I guess a lack of a better phrase yeah it, it, it you know the grass fish just didn't they just weren't dependable um they were very 
here today, gone tomorrow type fish. And and you could fish for hours and hours and hours and hours and not get a bite. And so then you were almost like waiting for this tide window that you thought existed, but I don't know if it really existed. Um, you know, you, you would get a couple of bites at low tide or something and you would think, well, maybe this will pull them to the edge and I can get this bite. Um, there was a lot of people that depended on that, that I don't think it ever came. Um, the tides in our tournament were high in the morning, you know, and we were getting the lower tide late in the afternoon. So the later flights caught them better. Um, it was, it was a hectic practice for me. I know it was for you guys as well. Um, you kind of jumped right on them first morning and, um, you had a little game plan and you jumped up at 4 a.m. and we're going out of the house and you came back pretty happy camper uh, day one. Um, day one, all those practice days were pretty tough on me. I went back out one afternoon. Do you remember that? I came in, yeah. yep. watched some football or something, and I went back out. Uh, this was the benefit of having the boat dock. And I went back out and fished till dark and I got some bites. You know, I had three or four bites. They were on hardcover on the bank and uh, not a low tide and i felt like it was very oklahoman fishing you know mm -hmm. and i felt like i could make that work um so there was a little bit of comfort zone there for me at the upper end of the bay like where the tournament went down where there yeah. was one in northeast yes i, I like that because it was docks rocks wood you know the grass wasn't involved um i felt like some of that stuff on the bank or the shallower stuff would play better with the high tides of the tournament that we were going to have. And dude, I came real close. I came really close. Um, I, I had the opportunities to have a top, you know, 25 top 30 finish for sure. Um, they just didn't stay buttoned up. We'll get into that here in a second, but I wanted to go back. Uh, I remember the first day of practice and this is kind of a learning, uh, use this as a learning tool. So you obviously planned, on on focusing on grass on your way there you like grass you're you've mm -hmm. never shied away from grass it's been one of your strong suits over the course of your career well obviously the flats out there and and our house is literally like you just kind of like roll out and you're on the flats yep. you came in the first day and you're like oh my gosh he's like it's a grass mat for five miles wide mm -hmm. and uh you know I, I drove out there and i it sampled around some of the edges and i i took a video of it and i was just like oh my gosh this is the most intimidating thing i've ever seen in my entire life because it is literally a is that hydrilla that's out there primarily it's a mixture of about yeah. four different grasses and and the hydrilla is probably the best part but it's probably the least prominent <laughs> okay but anyway it's like literally matted out topped out three foot visibility five miles across it's the biggest thing that i've ever seen so when you jump in, in in practice and you get there and, and you don't know what it looks like before you get there for practice, how do you, how did you, what was your strategy for figuring out how to at least know if there's a bite going on out there? Where do you start on it? How do you determine what you're going to fish? Because it was very overwhelming. I think um, first I just kind of pecked around the edges. That thing was so big. And we were there on the weekend, right? So there was a lot of local guys fishing too, as well as us practicing. So, dude, I honestly just kind of drove around and really just looked where a lot of the boats were, you know. Um, that thing is five miles, square miles. Like, it's massive. Um, there seemed to be a lot of boats using the drains. And there seemed to be a lot of boats using that southeast corner of the outside edge. 
where it really kind of cups and has a real defined edge. Um, those two areas seem to be where guys were really using a lot. And so then from there, I just kind of practiced along that south side edge because it's massive. I mean, we're talking about miles and miles of water down there too. And um, and then I jumped in and used some of the, the, the veins inside as well. Um, and man, it was just not very productive. Uh, for that much grass, it was hard to get a bite. And I know there's a huge population of fish out there, and they're the ones that you want. I mean, I've been told that that was where the tournament probably would be won. But, man, it was a struggle out there. What do you mean by drains? Explain explain what you mean by a drain. See, like you said, I mean, you could see visually, especially at lower tides, you could see that grass mat for miles and miles and miles out there. Well, there would be like a creek channel running through it, you know, and some of them were pretty wide, more like a river channel running through them. It's actually a deeper spot where the current flows through that mat and it kind of winds and meanders just like a creek channel would, but it's going through that grass flat and that, you know, that feeds current. Um, you know, that's kind of the lifeblood to those mats are those veins because that's what brings in all the oxygen and their food source and, you know, and as it moves and meanders through that grass flat, that grass flat filters that water which is usually somewhat stained, you know, being in a tidal river system and really filters it out to where it's pretty clear. The further you get back into that, that drain or vein into that mat, the clearer the water becomes, the longer it's flown, you know, through there. And a lot of times that can be part of it. You know, what's the water color like? Where's, where's the mix between the stain and the, the clear? Um, sometimes they use that to relate as well. But, man, I, I just couldn't. I, I I never found anything. Like, are we talking an hour? Like, I, I didn't really ask how you did your practice days, but would you did you spend, like, hours and hours and hours out in that thing not getting bit? I know I've talked to guys like Hackney and guys who are big grass guys. Faircloth is another one, and they're like, yeah, you go and go and go, and then you drop a point every time you get a bite, and then by the end of it, you've got clusters, and they're like, but it's almost better if you don't get bit everywhere. Like if you go a day and a half without getting bit and then get a cluster of bites, did you go that long without getting bit and then you just never got bit and had to bail on it? So I never just spent, you know, nine hours straight on the flat. Like I would lose confidence <laughs> there. So like I would try to fish it one day, maybe three or four hours with the tide higher. I'd fish it three or four hours one day with the tide lower. Um, I would go out there first thing in the morning. I would stop by there last thing in the evening. Um, I just kept trying to, so that my brain would stay fresh out there and I wouldn't just get in a rhythm. I tried to jump around at different tides and spend quality time out there. I bet when it was said and done, I had spent a total of two of my five days of practice out there. So a lot of time, a lot wow. of time. And so the rest of the time, did you end up, uh, did you end up doing any of the long runs or anything, or did you pretty much stay close to close to home the re the remainder of practice and try to figure out something that you at least felt you could put a couple pounds in the box? I felt like when I got there that I probably would make look at some of those creeks, but once I got there and practiced for a day or two, um, when I went back out that one evening there by the house and got some bites. I really had to draw in my practice because then at that point I had three days left and I was like, look, you know, um, I don't want to go past the flats. That's, that's a big area along with the big river. The what's the name of the river that comes in the. Oh, the Susquehanna, the Susquehanna. So, I mean, between it and 
all that water that was right there with the flat and in northeast i didn't feel like i needed to leave like i felt like there was enough fish there i needed to figure those fish out the best i could and try to make the best i could also i mean you're looking at it dude i mean i'm sitting eighth in the points I, that yeah. hero run a lot can happen a lot and my years of experience i just feel like even if you get bites a long ways off sometimes man when that clock's ticking especially on tidal river systems they look totally different than when you were there before on a different tide or something and it just doesn't work out or you're waiting for a tide like man i that's that's dangerous and i know it is and i, I just didn't want to gamble on that so um i like i said after a couple of days i really liked that northeast it felt like oklahoma you know right. it really did i mean dude looking at that thing and the way that it was one it was over I mean, that's yeah, there was one there. It's yeah. Horse Creek. It's like where I'm sitting right now. That's how yeah. that thing fished. And uh, but you, you know, never felt like you were on winning fish. No, of course not. Yeah. No, I was like, I never felt like I could catch. I mean, like I felt like I could catch three or four. If I caught, I caught five, it's really because I buckled down and had yeah. figured them out. Because I'm I'm interested in this. So I've always thought of you as the, and you and you've done it too. Like you're doing things your way. You're going down swinging. You're running. You're this year it seems like you have maybe altered your strategy a little. Let me, and, and I don't know if you've consciously done this, um, but I'm looking at your, your finishes and you're currently 10th. You finished 56 in the Chesapeake. We'll get into that, how they did it, but 57th, 56th, 96th, 14th, 68th, and 56th. Basically you have, have you've kind of did what I did last year, just not suck. And you have one good one mixed in there that, that averages a lot of it out. But if I remember correctly, you you stayed close at Toho and really grinded it out. You caught some fish on a spinning rod and a Ned rig and stayed right kind of around the ramp area. Not mm -hmm. what I expected you to do there. Uh, at Oneida, you stayed really close at Oneida, put your head down, grinded it out, spinning rod. Yep. Not exactly what I expected you to do there. And I've seen you at these events too. And I'm like, what, what the hell's Brad doing? What's, this is not Brad Hallman fishing. Yep. But those resulted in, in 57th and 68th place finishes as opposed to 157th and 168th place finishes. And then here, you stayed in that northeast and grinded it out. And I saw you a little bit each day kind of just drive, you know, driving around towards the end. And I'm like, boy, Brad, Brad's like right, right here by the ramp. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you went into this year consciously doing? Or are you making more points decisions now, paying more attention to it? Or is this just where, uh, how have you ended up kind of in these little close grinded out situations instead of the home run deal that we're used to you preaching about it's been different scenarios florida i just had a horrendous practice like i did not catch anything for three days or whatever and so i just decided to stay close and spend all my time trying to figure out how to catch a bass that's almost what happened at florida and then day two of florida i drew the coin that was leading and then we went down and did his deal uh, he was a local so that was a little bit of that um you know, I, I don't know, man. It's been a different scenario. I, I've gotten bites close to take off. You know, Nada's just okay. not a very big place, right? And um, there's there's a lot of fish right there, right at takeoff at Oneida, and I knew that from years of being there. That wasn't all that I fished at Oneida. I made I, I ran halfway down the lake to start each day. I just ended up finishing up around the boat ramp each day at Oneida. This one, yes. This one, yes, falls in that category, like. For sure, I, I made the mental decision of I'm I'm not going to go that far. Um, I talked to 
the Riz, you know, that works with Iconelli yeah. and runs yeah. show. I think he cashed a check this week. Yeah, he did well in that event, and he was the only guy that I visited with about uh, that tar- that place before we went. Is the only guy that I called, and he was competing in the tournament. Um, I only called him once. We talked for about an hour, and I asked him about some of those long runs. I asked him specifically about that place that you went down to, because on a map it looked good. And he told me flat point blank, you can go down there, but I'm just telling you, you're passing up a lot of fish to be going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that kind of set in more and more and more as I was there through the week. But I just made those decisions, especially there, like what you're saying. It, it was just too risk, too risky to go. Yeah. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we get back, we'll get Brad to give a little recap of how the actual tournament went. It was uh, it was filled with good decisions, total and complete meltdowns. Uh, <laughs> dude, literally multiple people checked on me and said, Hey, is, is Brad in yet? Was wondering, we heard, we heard him, we heard him vocalize displeasure across the Northeast, uh, repeatedly over a small period of time and was wondering what, what the scenario was that caused that. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll get into that. You're feeling the pressure. Like I remember last year when we got to this point, you were like, dude, you need to just like, it was Oneida. This one, there were three left after Oneida. Remember that was my meltdown. You're yeah. like, dude, you got to get this up. But the pressure starts, starts growing. Now you handle it a little bit differently than most people. You're kind of cool, calm under, under pressure. Uh, but you you did have it, and then you made some good decisions, and some some good things happened. So, uh, BTL on a Tuesday with Bradley Hallman. I also forgot to mention the second uh, part of their last segment of the show. We're gonna have Matt Looney from Pro Guide Batteries on. It's not gonna be a battery manifesto. It's more gonna be about his Bass for Beckers nonprofit charity. Uh, he gives away his uh, uh, doesn't give away. There's a, a raffle, a drawing, a chance to win his Skeeter at the end of the year. Uh, and all of the proceeds go to that Bass for Beckers, but he also does monthly uh, giveaways. And the giveaway prize this month, if you buy a ticket for the Bass for Beckers at the end of the year, is a winter crappie fishing trip with me on one of the little secret Oklahoma lakes. So we'll have him on in the last 10, 15 minutes of the show to talk about how you can get involved uh, with that. But BTL on a Tuesday with Bradley Hallman. We'll be back right after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS. Now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99. And we'll throw in a C-Map reveal chart. Our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar. From chirp, side scan, and down scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and CMAP Reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat, 
community or anything else get in the way of a payday. I wear APCO. Any fish, any water. The KVD 100 Jerkbait. 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability. 3D eyes. Premium black nickel hooks. KVD. Tie one on. Striking lures. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. All right, we're back. BTL on a Tuesday. Dude, my knees keep locking up on me now. It's not good, Brad. I go to, like, change in, like, my ankle, then my knees. I was just talking about it with someone. I was talking about it with Kinder. We were uh, driving. I was driving home, and I got out of the truck, and I could. I was like, oh, that's that's a little tight there. And I was like, man, we're getting old. All right. Let's get into the Derby days. Uh, and just do, like, a two, three-minute recap of, of the highlights of what happened because you grinded this thing out. It was the first time that I could ever remember. So, like, if you take the Oklahoma, and we'll throw, throw Andrew in there with the Oklahoma guys, and just or just our house. We'll throw Joe Barber in there, too. He's kind of a local there. He's been around a, a minute. But between me, you, Andrew Upshaw, John, uh, Joe Barbara, Austin Cranford, Jared Miller, like, that's a good little... Oklahoma group none of us caught a limit either day of competition on the Chesapeake Bay yeah and I don't think any of us hit the 10 pound mark either no that's tough yeah that is really tough so you knew it wasn't going to be a just a slugfest going into the first morning no no and and to be honest dude it kind of started off like you know that creek that, that you went in and had a really good bite and practice there at Northeast, the one right there at takeoff? Yeah. I, I was boat 160-something, you know. I still just went in. I just I just started right there, you know, right where they call my boat number, and I just went in, and I was going to fish literally what was ever in front of me. Um, I was going to fish wood, flip, pitch, spinnerbait, crank, didn't matter. Whatever was in front of my boat, I was going to fish, and that was kind of my game plan to start the morning off because the tide was high. You know, it was rising, going to be high tide, and then start falling. And as the tide fell, I was going to go to a grass area later in the day. And um, I started fishing, and, dude, no bites at all on any of the wood. None of that stuff ever played for me. The creek, nothing dead. I actually saw Miller in there. Um, He didn't have anything. But as I came out and started running the flat there, the rock, I started getting bites on a crankbait. That shallow oh, rock on that flat that was like a foot and a half foot deep that was pump hitting your motor and everything. Yeah, those little jetties right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My really? Little, yeah. So it was like it reminded me of fishing like Martin's Landing in the fall. Yeah, just Jeffrey's garbage. Fall. Yeah, I mean it's like fishing. You know the 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 Jeffrey's always called it the tunnel of love there at Martin's. You know, I mean you're talking about your boats floating in a foot of water and you're throwing in six inches, but they get up there. Um, it was kind of like that. And that, like I said, it reminded me of Oklahoma. Anyway, I catch one. I'm like, holy cow, I've got a keeper. 
And then I caught two and I was like, holy cow, I've got another keeper. And then I caught three, dude. And it's like nine 30 in the morning and I've got three fish and they're not for a 12 inch limit place. They were two pounders. So I'm like, I might catch five today, but, um, lost a couple of fish on that crank, uh, just fish that would hook up, you know, and load up for just a mm -hmm. couple of cranks. I mean, they felt like good fish, but they just come unbuttoned. I didn't see them. Um, but I had three fish to start the morning as the tide started to fall. I left the Northeast, went down to my grass fish, uh, caught one pretty quick down there. So now I'm thinking I'm going to catch a limit today and it just never happened. And uh, I weighed in eight pounds of some eight something with four fish and was in 47th place or something, you know, right outside the money cut. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that was, that was kind of my day one. Day two then, uh, I mean, you were sitting in decent shape. You weren't like thrilled. I remember back at the house, but you also weren't like bummed. You were like, Hey, I, I, felt, I caught four. I felt very strongly that I left some stuff on the table and that I was going to catch five. That's what I, I really felt like I was going to catch five, move up inside the, you know, the 30, 30th to 20th yeah. place finish, which is exactly what I needed. Um, and I felt strongly I could do it. And I started out day two. Um, I caught one right off the bat. Um, I, I did not focus on the wood at all. I completely stayed on the rock with the crankbait. I caught another one really quick and then I hooked another big one, the biggest fish that I'd had on since I've been there. I mean, it wasn't a giant, but it was a four pound class, four That's and a half. Big fish. Big fish. She jumps, comes down. I fight her all around. I've got her worn down. I step back to the console and sit down to, to land her, you know, and I've got my rod up and I'm fanning the water, you know, and she comes by, makes one circle and I don't get her. And then the second circle, she goes out and then she changes directions and the crankbait just comes off her lip. And I had already started doing the math, you know, you know how you do, you're like, man, I've got like four pounds in the boat. This will give me eight with three fish. Like I'm going to catch them today. Yeah. And it comes unbuttoned and the day just kind of went downhill from there. And I, I, I just couldn't recover, couldn't recover. But, um, I had a little offshore place that I'd found. Yes. The day before I just idled across, I didn't fish it. I just saw it on the side imager as I was idling out and I actually dropped a waypoint on it. It's a hard spot. It stuck out like a sore thumb. And day two, I'm idling out of the same place. And I'm like, Lou, look at that little hard spot. That's a good looking spot. And I'm like, you dummy. That's the one you marked yesterday that you didn't fish. So I turned around. This is the screaming and cussing that you heard. You didn't do that when you lost the four pounder. No, I didn't go crazy when I lost the four pounder. I didn't. Just deflated. Yeah, just deflated. Um, that was a good little area. Miller came in there a little later. His coinder caught a two and a half pounder there in that little area. That was a good little area in the morning, but it was a morning bite. They didn't continue to bite like that throughout the day. And so staying up there wasn't working. I had to get out. But anyway, this hard spot, I turned around on it, which is where, you know, I'm looking at the leaders. They're right out from me. By day two, I realized that they are the leaders. They're 150, 200 yards Trey's out. Trey's out there. Yeah, there's, there's seven of them out there. And having a big guys time. that are doing really well are out there. Well, by day two, I'm not going to go out there and bump yeah. around them. You know, they, they, they've already got their community set up, and I'm not going to do that. So I find a hard spot, though, right there by where I'm fishing. And so I turn around, I spin, and we talked at the house. I knew the drop shot was catching some of those fish. I've got one rigged up, been laying on the deck for two days. I haven't made a cast with it. I fired out there. 
and I'm dragging along, gets tight, and I pull up on it, and it's a heavy fish, dude. It's like pull and drag, and it's only on there for about four seconds, and the drag stops, the fish is loose, and I pull on my drag, and it's as loose as it can be. You know how you pick up the rod, and it's been laying there for two days. I never checked the drag when I threw it, so I was a little frustrated, and it's about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I reach down, and I grab a crankbait, and I fire it out there, first cast, and it loads up, and it's a giant and it's pulling hard hard and i'm trying to get to my it's obvious that my drag's not slipping it's like tightened down and it's only 10 pound test line and i'm trying to push that button trying to push that button and now i'm using my right hand trying because it's locked up and it will not go down and that fish pulls out to the point that it's just and it breaks right in my reel and yeah oh, no. i lost my composure for a few seconds and uh I was hot. I uh, get a uh, call after the event from Willard. I'm idling back in. Joel Willard had a great comeback on day two, saved his season. And uh, uh, I wanted to see if he had made a long run, and he hadn't. And he said, hey, man, he goes, I got a question. He goes, is, is Brad back at the house yet? And I said, no, why? And he goes, man, he's fishing this hard spot that I wanted to fish in the northeast. He said, and I idled, rolled past him. And uh, he just held up two, that he only had two. And he goes, and I kind of moseyed away. And as I'm moseying away, I look back, and he's throwing his rod down on the front deck and just screaming yeah, repeatedly. Yeah, He's like, and he's like, the only thing I could think of, he goes, is he had to have dumped a giant. I said, well, I said, depending on the vibe that I'm getting from him when he gets back, I'll ask him. I said, but no promises. <laughs> <laughs> but you pulled the GoPro footage and saw it. It'll be on your. It'll be on your GoPro. Uh, yeah. It'll be on your your, yeah. your recap show that comes out. But a 56 yep. place finish with 14 pounds 13 ounces over two days. Uh, you're about 100 points out of fourth place, which right now is qualifying with three events left. Yeah, I ended up you know putting that fish behind me. I do feel like they were catfish. I went back and caught a catfish off of that spot. I, I felt like it wasn't probably a bass. That, as hard as it was pulling but dude i mean you're doing everything you can and then like the odds of hooking a big one and then having two back-to-back casts like that happen with drags just aggravated me beyond belief but uh i picked that crankbait back up I caught two more keepers to finish the day which didn't seem like much at the time but uh maybe at the end of this deal it will who knows all right so primarily you threw a plug through a plug that's crazy because I could not get. I call, I guess I caught one on a. I caught one on a plug. We'll get into my day. Uh, instead of taking a break, I want to bring. I know this guy. He's a businessman now. Also, uh, NPFL angler and new dad. But uh, I want to bring uh, Matt in, Matt yep. Looney, to talk about the Bass for Beckers deal. I know he's got some stuff going on today, and I, I should have just told him like nine thirty because we always run long when we talk about these things. I'm like, oh, we can do a recap. No, we can't do a recap in 20 minutes. We do like one day in 20 minutes. <laughs> All right, let's bring Matt. What's up, Matt? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Sorry. Hey, listen, dude, I could listen to Brad's meltdown stories all day long. Yes. Hey, I was enjoying it myself. <laughs> you never melt down. You're pretty mellow. Yeah, yeah. That's just, do you melt uh, down? Uh, I, I tend to on like a, you know, so this year MPFL-wise, I've had one bad day every tournament. It's like kicking out of it. And about toward the end of that bad day, pretty much every time I'll have a, I'll have a moment 
And I'll, you know, I, I did break a rod at this last event, but you know, it, it, <laughs> really? it happens. Dude, it happens. I feel like you're a guy who internalizes it more. I do until I don't. Until, <laughs> until you can't deliver. <laughs> yeah, until it's too much. And then now it was, um, you know, I, I changed for me, not to get into my tournament necessarily, but I changed rods from practice to the tournament. And I, I used a medium 7.4 medium light in the tournament day one and kept losing fish after fish after fish when I was using a medium in practice. And you knew better. And, and I knew better. And so after the last one came on button, I just kind of like threw my rod to the side, like, you know, to hit my bait on the water. And yeah. when I did, I hit my rod on the side of the boat. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't like a full on no, boat. It wasn't jacks. like a happy Gilmore or anything. Have like you that. done no. that, Brad? Have you, bo- dude, you have a hundred percent Bo Jackson to rod before. Brad, yeah, haven't you? I've, I've broke one over my knee before and threw the whole thing, <laughs> rod and reel, just threw it in the lake. All of you, it. You Bo Jacksoned it and I can would it. Yes. <laughs> it has happened one time. I bet it felt amazing. It did. So that's what a lot of guys <laughs> don't get, you know, and it, we got to blow off some steam, right? Yeah. I mean, it helps us feel better. Um, yeah. I've got the greatest video of all time, which we can never release, but it's mad in a bathroom at a VRBO, just absolutely losing his mind at the end of a tournament. <laughs> just it him, the mirror, and the bathroom toilet. It was me, and I felt can. better afterwards that I came out and everyone was outside the bathroom door, but I felt better. Like I said, I was feeling the pressure of it, uh, but I got over it. But uh, uh, Matt, I wanted to get you on. Uh, you had contacted me, I know, and we've mentioned this before uh, on the show. It's kind of a well-known thing around the industry needs to become better well-known but uh the hat that you have on bass uh for beckers and i wanted to make sure i got all the details right here but every year you do a you can buy a a raffle ticket or raffle tickets to win uh your uh skeeter that you currently run for the donation that you give for the raffle correct yeah yeah so i partnered with skeeter and yamaha when i had this idea back in 2019 and it was a uh, it was a deal. So just a little backstory: my nephew was diagnosed with Becker's muscular dystrophy uh, in 2017. He was nine. You know, it was kind of a weird age to, for it to be discovered. Like typically, it's early on or later on. Um, and that first year, he had to sell like these T-shirts to raise money to go to summer camp. And I'm like, man, this is terrible. Like, no one. Wants, there's so many T-shirts out there. No one wants to buy T-shirts. And so I'm like, how could I use what I'm doing and raise some money, you know, so that way he doesn't have to sell t-shirts to go to summer camp. That's how it started. I mean, I didn't expect it to be super big, right? I'd never, I'd never done it before, which a lot of people were quick to tell me, Hey, you don't know what you're doing. Um, But Skeeter believed in it. And um, so we brought it to market and the first year we raised $108,000. So it was a really cool deal, you know, kind of proof of concept, proof of if you just work hard at it and you can do it. Um, But so we're on our third boat this year of doing it with Skeeter and Yamaha and um, you know, on the same pace to, you know, raise over a hundred thousand dollars again. And what we're able to do with this is actually take it and donate a lot of it to the MDA for their summer camp fund. So, you know, maybe kids that couldn't afford to go or, you know, it, it's very expensive to have all these specialists there because a lot of the kids are in wheelchairs and different things. And so rather than having to turn people away, we want them to be able to go to summer camp if they want to go. And so that's what we've been kind of donating the money toward. And we're also kind of saving a portion. We want to build a large camp in Oklahoma uh, to start because even though that these kids get to pay and go to summer camp, they just rent these camps out 
And a lot of the camps have like gravel. Well, when you're in a wheelchair, going through gravel is not very easy. Um, and so we're, we're just trying to make a fully accessible campsite is kind of the, the long-term goal with this and to stuff. kind of spread it around. All right. So I was trying to find the picture of your nephew in the boat that I sent you that one time. Remember where he was like letting the wind through the bass boat? Oh, <laughs> that, that was all. Yeah, Aaron put it on his story. I said yeah. it was the greatest. <laughs> it was a picture. And it, yeah. it, his nephew had his mouth open at the passenger seat, and he was the happiest kid I've ever seen going fast in a bass boat. Yes. Like, I was like, look how yeah. happy. I said, I just want to be that happy one time in life. But yes. Um, so that giveaway takes place what what month then yeah so basically the 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 raffle goes from january to december okay um and it's 25 dollars tickets we wanted to make it you know cost effective where pretty much anyone can get involved um you know one one of the guys that won only bought one ticket you know he spent 25 bucks and he gets a now with the price increases an eighty thousand dollar boat right um so pretty cool deal we pay the taxes so like the winner doesn't have any kind of you know, other than the tickets you bought is the only expense you have. And, uh, but no, it, it's been awesome. And to keep, you know, going through the, through the months, because we have a lot of companies that want to support it and other people, we have monthly prizes. So like you were saying this month, the prize is a winter crappie fishing trip with you to go out and pro- hopefully they can learn some live scope stuff from me. You're pretty good at it. Um, and, and we pay for that trip. So, uh, all they have to do to enter is buy at least one raffle ticket for the end of the year, the boat in this month. And then there's, we put it in the random generator it spits out a name and that's the monthly winner. All right. So you are entered then for the boat. And then if you do it in September, so this is what I wanted to do instead of a bass fishing, my passion, my off season deal is hunting giant crappie with big rods. John Sokup taught me how to do it. There's a bunch right. of places around here. It is a time. I haven't taken anyone out there. who's not like, this is awesome. You've seen it a little bit, Bradley. It's cool. Isn't it? Uh, but I thought that would be an awesome day on the water now here's the caveat to this i'm i may have to blindfold you on the way to the lake if you win the prize and i may have you i may have to have you sign an nda (laughs) you will not tell anyone where we are should you find it out and i may have to confiscate any mobile device that has gps on it but other than that we're good to go be a great day (laughs) i don't i can't i almost want to say that i could guarantee a two pound crappie but I can't, I can't guarantee it. But, but there is probably a better than 75% chance that we'll catch a two-pound crappie, which is a six, 15, eh, it depends on which, where we go, 15 to 16 and a half inch crappie. Then I will also, should you choose to, uh, should you choose to keep some of the, the harvesting size, I'll also fillet them and bag them for you afterwards. And full service guide. Yeah, full, full, full service right there. So that will be, so uh, bassforbeckers.com. I put the link in the uh, in the comments right there, and uh, you can just click down and say like, "Well, well, that's not fair because the July trip was a fishing trip with Brandon Polinick." That is true. That is true. He he uh, he's, probably- he's been a friend of of the charity for since we started the very first year. He donated a jersey, and you know he had his baby a week before I had my baby. And so we've kind of we've bonded pretty good over yeah. being new dads, and he's a he's an awesome dude. Yeah, um, I'm I'm willing to drive a little bit, but like you've got to get you've got to get to the location for it, right? Right. Well, I mean, like he said, is it open to Canada? It is. I mean, but I, isn't it? 
Yeah, so it's sorry, I was getting a phone call during the middle of it. Um, so I told you he does business, bro. <laughs> it was he's it got is pro guy batteries everywhere now. That is true. We actually have a dealer going in in several other countries too, so that's good. Um, anyway, but no, it uh, it's open to everyone. Um, it is a federally recognized nonprofit, so it is a tax write off. Um, if you were needing to to have a tax write off and wanted yeah. to buy a whole bunch of tickets, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, but if you want to come, if you win it, I'll work it out. I'm willing to drive three, four hours to meet you. So even if you're like, you know, depending on where you are, I mean, I have to be on a fishery that I feel like I could catch a crop or two on. Right. And like I said, we'll pay for the winter to, to get to where they need to go. Okay. Within yeah. reason. Within reason. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, first you're over here I don't know. I might. I just won the won the prize. <laughs> hey, no. What's actually interesting? Our top country outside the U.S. is Australia. For people that enter into this, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of Australian listeners. I know we have a couple guys who uh, run the road. Some truckers over in Australia who listen to the show. Some Carl Jacobson yeah. fans. Some guys who fish for that Australian bass that are very, uh, very ardent uh, BTL listeners. I think it's outside of uh, Canada and. Mexico, it's our third biggest country. That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, wanted to get one thing in. You are the Pro Guide Batteries guy. We had Brad. So, get this, Brad. We do all of our shows. So, like the fifth highest rated show that I've done solo in twenty in twenty twenty two. This is no joke. I can't make this up. Is Matt Looney answering dumb questions about batteries for yeah. me? I That's believe- the fifth highest rated one. Like most downloaded comment, longest listened to, most feedback is Matt. I'm not ripping on, like, but batteries are like they sit there and they right. do their job. And the more you yeah. don't talk about them, the better they're doing, right? Like if you're talking about your batteries, that's not good. Right. It, it, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's like a transmission in your truck, right? But that fifth most, fifth most out of all the ones we've done is, is Matt Looney with two hours of battery questions on the show. Yeah, it's that day and age with all the electronics and everything that we're running, lithiums and acids, verse acids, how many, what are you doing? Anytime I take a picture of the back of my boat, there's like a million questions at any, any point on social media. Like, what what are all the acids for? What are the lithiums for? How are you rigging them? Why are they tied together parallel? Blah, 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 blah. But power's an issue on these boats, dude. It's a big, it's a big, big question out there for everybody. All right, so are you willing to, as it gets into colder weather, come back on and do a fall and winter maintenance battery show? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's not there's not a, a ton to it other than keep your batteries charged, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk through it and we can. Well, no, I have some other questions. Yeah, we can do all kinds of questions. That'd be like, good. does the does if like if you have the ones that have water in it, why well, does that water not freeze? Uh, like it's if you keep your boat specific gravity, but see, that's the type of stuff we'll get yeah. into. There's like ten minutes right there. So. Yeah. All right, um, Matt, greatly appreciate it. Like I said, yeah, bassforbeckers.com. This is the third year. You are not only like uh, in a in a drawing to, to fish with me for crappie this winter, you're also in it for the skeeter, for yeah. the boat, for the whole and, thing. And I will so, say the, the monthly winner, the ticket does not get taken out of the pot. So say you only buy one and you win the monthly prize, you could still win the boat. You can still win it all. 25 bucks. Great cause, Bass for Beckers, Matt Looney. Go buy as many tickets as you want. I will continue to talk about it, uh, not only for uh, September, but I need to I need to every single month know what that prize is and talk about it on the show, too. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Good stuff, Matt. Thanks for jumping uh, on. I appreciate it. Looney, Thanks, Looney, Looney. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. 
keep those MPFL boys in line and get one of those trophies for the end of the year. Yes, sir. Got to go win one in Florida real quick. You look good with it, dude. <laughs> Thank well, you. He's a power lifter. He's a power. Did you know he's a power yeah. lifter, Bradley? Yeah, I did. What do you? What you're back? Are you back healthy now? Uh, ish. Yeah, healthy-ish. I blew my ACL last year, and yeah. so you know, it's it's pretty. It's like, what's pretty your tough. record? What's the most weight you've tossed up? Um, I mean, on what? What lift? I don't know. What a deadlift? <laughs> I don't know. This is how I don't. Uh, I don't power no. lift. I see you squatting and lifting heavy things. Yeah. So squat wise, I mean, I've done six fifty. Um, which well, is, you can handle that trophy no problem. Then, a whole, yeah, that's that's a free squat now. Leg press. I mean, you yeah. can do thousands of pounds. On can your press. wife outlift you? Because she's like uh, really into it. She could for a while there. So it's actually funny. <laughs> I tore my knee. And we would work out at the gym and like we would share the bar. Like she'd do the same way. Like she she was deadlifting 315 while I was deadlifting 315. And but then she got so she actually did a competition. She's like, I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be awesome. And the day before the competition is when she found out she was pregnant. And so she goes to the competition, lifts enough to qualify for nationals, but nationals were at the same time that she had our baby. So she didn't get to go compete. So now she's oh. you know that's, she's got a new goal. She's got a new goal, yeah. But All right. no, it was awesome. Uh, Thank you, guys. Fall, fall, winter battery tips coming soon to BTL. Bass for Beckers, sign up. Monthly prize, crappie trip with me. Also enters you 25 bucks. Fully tax deductible when uh, Matt Looney's Skeeter. So. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Thanks guys. Matt. All right, that was uh, Matt Looney from Pro Guide. Like I said, I plan on working him in, and I always try to do, like, hey, around this time. Um, but it's tough with guys who actually like, you know, have business to attend to like Matt does. He's killing it with the battery game. So busy man, busy man. All right. Uh, let's put a bow on, uh, let's put a bow on your Derby. Anything else you want to talk? Anything you thought you did really well, anything you wish you had done differently, then we'll take a break. We'll briefly touch on, on, uh, my foray, my, uh, adventures on the Chesapeake, maybe take a couple questions and wrap it up. Obviously, I wished I would have ventured out to the middle of the hard spots with a live scope and side image during practice and found a couple of those sweet spots that they were all ganged up on at the end of day three. Yeah, it just I mean, you. this was one of those instead of saying, man, I wonder how they caught them. We all said, oh, remember when we idled by all the guys who caught? Them? <laughs> yeah, at takeoff. Yeah. Weird tournament. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, my strategy. A really weird tournament for me. I finished 84th right in the middle of the pack. Uh, was really looking and trying to to fish for a top 10 in this one. That was, uh, that was really what I went into for. Was not really concerned with keepers. A top 10 did me a lot of good. Anything outside of that, uh, really not so much. But... Uh, BTL on a Tuesday with Bradley Hallman talking Chesapeake Bay. We'll be back right after this. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com. 
The new Android series is the peak of the Denali lineup and offers the ultimate Denali experience. The Android series features 36-ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength. Each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy-touch, soft-feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well-suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The Round Bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, and 5-0, this is the most durable worm hook designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. 
Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Tuesday with Bradley Hallman. Before we get into my uh, derby, a lot of people enjoyed your your dust up with the uh, local homeowners there during practice. Yes, yes, my me too. Chesapeake. I thought you handled that really well. You held your ground, but you were respectful. You knew what your yep. rights were as an on the water angler, and it's a uh, not as common. It's common to get yelled at. It's not as common when the yeller then sends their kid out after you in a boat. Yeah, and tries to run you off the lake and tell you to leave and get out. And yeah, yeah. I don't think he knew who he was tangling with. Well, he didn't stay long. I sent him on his way. I will. But yeah, say this. I got all that on video, dude. That's part of why I was unable to uh, uh, get stuff for today is because I have started running that 360 camera, dude. That yeah. thing is awesome. I mean, it's literally 360 degrees around my boat. So if you guys are interested in that, check out that YouTube video that's going to drop. Um, probably in the day or two on my YouTube for the first day of the Chesapeake Bay. It's 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 a new camera. It's got a lot of data, I guess is the right word. Is that right, Matt? I fill up a 256 gigabyte card in eight hours. I mean, it is a massive amount. Of, That's got to be fun to edit. I mean, got to be fun. That's got to be fun. All right. Um, my tournament was pretty cut and dry. <clears throat> I drove 1,200 miles. Like I said, I was looking for something that I thought would give me uh, the maximum potential, did not really care about the risk. As long as the reward was high, drove a long way, put in. I knew it would be multiple gas stops to get down there. Got three or four bites. Reminded me of the back of Thunderbird, the river up at Thunderbird. Um, And I was like, cool. So then the next day I went out and I looked at like uh, another area far away. Didn't get bit there. Wrote that off. And then the next day I went out and looked at the grass and the Susquehanna. Never got a bite, so I wrote that off. And then the next day I stayed close, and I got three bites in the first two hours. So I said I'm either going to stay close or I'm going to go really far. It was that simple. I actually didn't even practice a day. Uh, A lot of guys that I talked to about fishing the tide and stuff, and there were so few bites that were to be had, I didn't want to go through an area that if I knew I was going to fish in that area all day that I wrote off because I went through it on a bad tide. I wanted to keep my morale high and say, I've got them far. I've got them close. Um, so like I looked at the weather and it looked pretty legit. I gassed up. We were all good to go. And I made it about a quarter of the way there and I speared one. This is an interesting deal here. Um, because there were a number of guys that were planning on going and 80% of them to this one area turned around, right? Elite Series guy made it there and another former Elite Series guy and a Coast Guard licensed captain made it there. And I'm, I don't want to really talk about where it was, but uh, the guys with experience knew how to run it. And I talked with one of them and he said, well, let me guess you're running the channel. And I said, well, yeah, I don't know what hell's out there on this giant flat with all these crab pots and little warning signs and stuff and he goes dude he goes it's the deepest the tide was ripping against it he goes you could have shot down the right hand side he goes and it was just a little bumpy got there no problem whatsoever well 90 percent of us turned around because we ran the channel and just even the way the wind was you could get up and kind of get out of it but it was creating it so anyway i speared one and it was salty 
And I was like, oh boy. And I zoomed out on my map and I was like, and I still have 50 miles to go. So I looked at my co-angler, this is day one. And I said, I said, I'm not doing it. I said, it, 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 I'm listening to my gut. And I said, I don't know whether five years ago I would have tried and kept going or whether I would never have even tried. I said, but it, something's just telling me. And he was from there and he goes, that's smart move, dude. Well, I talked to guys who got like 10 miles from the mouth before they turned around and they were like, it was six footers. And they wow. were take, eating them every, ripping graph mounts off everything. So I roll back, and there was one spot that I had idled past that looked good, and it was a hard spot like that, like you had just talked about, like you had idled past and seen. I had not fished it. I said, this is a good-looking spot. I know there's fish there. Actually, in practice, there was a guy power-pulled down there, and he wasn't fishing. He was talking on the phone. He had a rap boat. I have no idea who it was. He had his trolling motor pulled up, but he was there for like four hours. And I said, that guy doesn't want anyone else to fish that spot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it kind of backfired on him anyway. I, I I roll up there and there's someone sitting right where I want to fish. And I said, oh, crap, whatever. I said, I'll just start on this dock next to it. And it looked like the guy was kind of moving through the area, which he was. Well, like third pitch with a drop shot after I turn around, it's like 830 in the morning. It goes boom and starts swimming off. It's like a three and a quarter. And I'm like, random dock after I turned around on my B stuff, wasn't even planning on fishing this. There's a guy where I want to be. I just catch a three and a quarter. And I turned to my co and I said, today's either going to be, that's the only bite we're ever going to get, or it's going to be a good day. Uh, so I end up getting on the, on the spot on the first day. And I catch another little one. And my co is good co's. I had good co's both days. Um, but I was trying to feel out that spot, right? Hadn't fished it. So he catches a three and a half and we're feeling each other. I said, where'd that come from? What were you feeling? Was it sticky? Was he's like, I kind of felt like it got stuck and then I didn't feel it and it swam off. So now I'm casting to it. And, uh, I said, I wonder if they'll eat a, a moving bait. So I cast a plug out there, gets stuck, gets hung, you know, when it gets hung and then you're pulling and it pulls free and it goes real quick. As soon as it pulls free, well, I'm pulling, 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 and it pulls free, and it goes for about two seconds, and it just locks up, and it's a three. So I boat flip it, so I've got three for seven. Co catches another big one, so he's got two for seven. I've got three for seven. Wow. Pete Glusick rolls in 50 feet away. He catches, he loses one, which was a hilarious reaction to it. He catches one. His co catches one. A guy comes down the docks behind me. He catches one. So I'm like, dude, I'm, why would I leave? I've seen all these fish here. It's so tough. I've gone everywhere else. I haven't gotten bit. I said, I, the tide's coming in. I said, I'm staying right here. So this is where it gets interesting. So Pete leaves, and I, and then they had three bites right there. But my co caught one, and I caught one. I was afraid someone was going to slide in on my area. I didn't know what was 50 yards away from me. Like, the only reason I knew it was because Pete had rolled in. But it's day one. It's like 9 in the morning. I'm like, I keep telling my co, I'm like, maybe I should slide over there. He hasn't been back in like two hours. Well, then Pete comes back and his co goes three pounder, three pounder. Pete rolls around and goes three, 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 three. Like wow. just bam. I mean, it was like as fast as he could freaking cast out there. They had six bites. Just boom, 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 boom. He's calling. I'm calling. I said, oh, no, now I should have slid over there. But not really because I, I would have felt bad because, you know, I know Pete and it would have been like, Oh, yeah, well, why weren't you slid over here the first time when I came in? Long yeah. story short, I come back. Pete wanted to be where I was. The only reason he fished over there was because I was where I was, and he was waiting on me to move. Wow. But I didn't know that. Right. Uh, so I 
have three for seven on day one. My co has two for seven. I'm happy, not happy with it, but I'm like, I survived. I'm around a lot of good fish. I think, obviously, yeah. I, I think this could be something. So obviously, second day, I go right back and I fished one spot except for the last like 30 minutes. So I sat in one spot for like six and a half hours. I didn't have anything else. Uh, and that's like a kind of a thing that they do there. They like sit through tide swings, right? Stay in the same area. Mm-hmm. Like all those guys who sat out on the flats and did good, they yep. didn't move. Right. Second day, go back, do the same thing, catch one right off the bat. Except now I kind of know where the sweet spot is. I had a really good co-angler, but I mean, I'm also still in this thing, right? So I'm like, I really don't want him to get a cast to the juice. So I kind of push him up against a little bit of <laughs> A little bit of a wall, kind of block him out. Nothing wrong with that. He still has some stuff to fish. And he just like flips one up next to the boat, four and a half pounder. I'm like, okay, they're still here. Pete comes, doesn't get bit. Pete leaves. Now there's two boats on the spot that Pete was on. I go like two more hours, nothing. No bites, nothing. We go like three or four hours, don't have a bite. I start milling around in the same little area, go over to where Pete was. There's three boats in there. Get one bite there. It's a three-pounder. Now I've got two for four pounds. This is <laughs> this is honestly how this went down. So now I go back to the spot where I was at. I leave for like 30 minutes, and I go up to where that little creek that's got the wood in it and stuff. Nothing. I said, what am I doing? So I go back to the other spot. Joe's there, Joe LaBarbera, and he comes up, and he's like, what do you got, man? I said, I got two little ones. I said, what do you got? He's like, I got nothing. I was like, nothing? He's like, nothing. I said, oh, okay. And uh, I said, where can I go catch a dead keeper on here? Which probably wasn't smart since he had nothing. I mean, if he knew, he'd probably have been there, but he's like, oh, man, right over there, I usually catch one. I said, why aren't you over there? He goes, I don't know. He said, go over there. You might catch one. I've got like an hour left. And I was like, I got nothing left to lose. So I go over there. Uh, and I, it's like just a series of little pilings. And I pitch all these pilings. And I go left, right, center of one piling. Co-angler cast in there. Five pounder. Oh, my God. Dude got had two bites all day. Nice guy. Never cast in front of me. Never did anything wrong. He had two bites of four to five. He weighed in two for nine. Now get this, Brad. His wife, the day before, he zeroed. His wife had been like, the hell are you doing fishing tomorrow? You zeroed. You got stuff to do at the house. Pack your stuff and come home. And he's like, <laughs> no, it's a two-day tournament. I paid 500 bucks. I got to fish in this thing, right? He's like, you don't understand how it works. He's like, you're out of it. You didn't, do, you didn't even catch a fish the day before. Get out of there. Come home. You got stuff to do at home. He said, no, I'm staying. I'm fishing day two. So he catches the first one, and he's like, well, now it'll, at least I've got... So he catches the second one, and I'm like, boy, I really wish I'd had that one. I, I mean, I was quiet afterwards. Like, it wasn't much said. He did say, he did say, I would be talking crap if we were not in a serious tournament. <laughs> I did say that, because it came off the same piling. And uh, I turned to him, and I said, dude, I said, you did, you did nothing wrong today. He, oh, he, oh, apologize. Kind of apologize. I said, don't ever apologize for catching fish behind me. I said, it happens sometimes. I said, you're here to catch fish. I said, if it was a fish that I thought I was going to catch, I said, I pa- cast three times to that spot, right? Yeah. And I said, and that fish was for the wife. I said, because that'll put you in the top 20. <laughs> and he's yeah. Like, that he's got like, you paid? No, it won't. I said, dude, I promise you. I said, that might be big bass. You'll have big bag of the day, and it puts you in the top 20. Well, sure enough, he finished in the top 20. Yeah. He got yeah. paid. 
Yeah. So he got to go home and tell the wife, that's why you fished two days. But I just, I never got any other bites. I was all around those fish. Uh, I, it, I don't regret anything that I had done uh, for a plan B. I think I put myself in the position to succeed. And just because you put yourself in that position doesn't mean that it's always going to happen. And I finished middle of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, you ended up salvaging pretty well and had an opportunity to do extremely well. Yeah. If you get all the bites that your coinlers get, you got your top 10. Yeah. I mean, and if, if some butts were cherries and nuts, but, uh, my coinlers had four. I had, I had five keeper by, I did jump off like a pound and a half or at the end of the day, but they wouldn't have done anything. I mean, move me up to 70th. I saw it, uh, on the piling deal, just a little 13, 14 incher. You know what I mean? One at the time that seemed like a yeah. monster, but, uh, uh, I had five keeper bites the whole time and it weighed, what, 11 pounds, 10, 10 and a half, 11 pounds. And my yep. co-anglers had four keeper bites and they weighed almost 18. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, I was primarily pitching just a, uh, a, uh, purple worm, a purple worm and that little new, uh, worm that Cliff Perch designed. Cool. And caught him on it. And then just a margarita mutilator, six inch worm caught one on a plug but I mean, I mixed it up. I threw like the Ned head. I drug a jig. I threw a bigger plastic. I stuck with the drop shot. I changed worm colors. I changed leader length. I changed weight. Like, I mean, I, I methodically went through and it was just a matter of when they bit, they bit when they didn't, they didn't. When Pete rolled in on day one, when he had that 15, he just hit the spot, man. He hit the spot and they were feeding right there. And it was just bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Yeah. Timing with the tide, he hit it right, and he knew yep. to pull back and check it on certain tides, and yep. that's the advantage those guys have on us. It's a big one. Yeah, so that's what went. So uh, three events left. Top three overall make it. Keith Poche is in second now. Now, if he drops off, it'll still be top three, but if he stays in the right. top three in the overall, then it'll drop down to four. So regardless, right now it's fourth, which is 400, uh, 949 points. You have 859 points so right around 100 points three events left uh what do you got to yeah. do in the last three bradley i believe kenta's in the top he's in front of me too uh yeah kenta is in front of you so i mean technically i'm still an eighth yeah. um you know I, I read some of the comments earlier guys were wondering about the math on that um i felt like going into the four before this one, if I just cast four checks, I would be really, really close, meaning 40 plays or better. Um, I rolled three or four checks in a row um, last year, year before last, year before last, at the end of the year. I kind of got on a roll and did that. Um, I've got to have some top tens, and I know that. Um, I haven't had them this year, so I feel like I've got them coming. Um, one of the big things, man, is we're no longer going to be – in Delaware, Maryland, New York City, none of that. So I mean, we're, <laughs> we're going, going to places you know that you can Carolina, swing. Texas. So, dude, I feel better about my chances of making the top ten. I, I I feel like the door's wide open. Um, I'm right where I want to be to finish off the year. I, I would actually rather be sitting where I'm sitting than to be sitting in first, second, or third because it's going to be the Red River is going to be brutal. It's going to be a change up, just like the one we just fished. Um, I didn't get what I wanted out of the Chesapeake, but I didn't bomb. So um, I'm not going to make the Elite Series finishing 59th and 49th and 39th. So, and I realize that. I've got to have some like what I had down in Mississippi. Yeah. 
um, I've got to have some bags. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing. Um, we've got some, I feel like they're more in my wheelhouse. I like the idea of Louisiana, South Carolina, Texas a lot better than I like the idea of Delaware, Maryland, and New York. That works. Chris uh, Chris said we need to get Pete on to do a recap. He actually did one on Ike Live on Sunday night, so did a good job of recapping everything that uh, yeah. went down, the fall and everything included. So uh, speaking of top tens, uh, let's go over this list. Bassmaster came out their their list of top ten lakes. I want to see if you agree with it. You want to start at one or you want to start at ten? Let's start at ten. Okay. Santee Cooper. Okay, I'll just I'll name them all off and then we can go back because I don't want you to react and then there's one that you thought you know what I mean. Okay. Santee Cooper, Sam Rayburn in number nine, Lake Erie Upper Niagara, number eight, Lake Fork number seven, Clear Lake number six, uh Stick Marsh number five, Lake St. Clair number four. Sacramento River number three, OHIV number two, and uh, St. Lawrence River number one. Yeah, I agree with everything but Lake Fork. <laughs> Lake Fork's overrated, dude. There's big ones. They catch them there. All those guys on the Elite Series know they're over. It's overrated. We all know it's overrated. It's 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 little bitty spots. It's got some big fish. Well, if you do that, then you have to put Ivy in that group too. Guys aren't just going down the Ivy and going down the bank and catching 40 pounds. It's, There's a lot of fish in OHIV right now. It's a, I know, but it's a lot of forward-facing sonar in winter and a few guys catching giants. Yeah. I've met, I've known guys who have gone down there, and they're like, dude, oh, this I is I nothing too. at all like I envisioned it would be, and we caught like three fish in four days. Yeah. And that happens. At the same time when guys are catching 12-pounders. So because I mean, of what the potential about, is, do you put it on the list? I, I Probably not. Probably not for the same reason, because I mean, when you look at a St. Lawrence, a St. Clair, dude, that's a million four pounders everywhere, along with some fives. This and is six. not a tournament schedule, people. This is a list of Bassmasters, right? Subjective right. top 10 lakes in the country right now. That's all this is. They do it every single year. Top 10 lakes in the country. We're just spitballing here. I mean, there's no, there's Rayburn, no right Rayburn, or wrong answer. Rayburn definitely belongs. Uh, Santee Cooper belongs. I mean, all those lakes are big, massive impoundments that have. Are you surprised at how many of them are smallmouth lakes? Because I was. You have the St. Lawrence in one. You've got Lake St. Clair at four. I'm surprised Champlain's not in there. Champlain still belongs in the top ten. I would put Champlain instead of... uh, Instead of either Lake Erie, the Upper Niagara River, or instead of OHIV, I've heard Lake Erie Buffalo is on fire right now, dude. Yeah, it is. Um, the gobies. The reason the smallmouth are there is because the gobies. The okay, gobies so would you put Champlain and would you would you move everything up and then like at number five take out OHIV out of the top ten and put Champlain, Fork or OHIV? Both of them probably need to go. And Champlain needs to be in there. Where's the other place it needs to go? Listen, I get OHIV. I understand the size and how many lake records and state records and everything are coming out of there. But I don't think outside of very, very small windows, it's a juggernaut fishery like a Champlain. What about the upper Chesapeake Bay? It's time to end the show. 
<laughs> How about the Red River? <laughs> Does it belong in there? <laughs> and I also had heard that the Delta was a little off. The Cal Delta? Yeah. I talked to uh, Sal Bucci the other day. He was headed down there. He said he hadn't been there in a while. But uh, your buddy Ken Ma, our buddy, he uh, he has no problem with the Delta. <laughs> yeah. Good point. All right. What else you got, Bradley? I've got nothing. Um, I'm pack, packing and doing tackle and getting rigged for the Red River. Top tens, right? Top tens are bust. <laughs> Tougher. Uh, took seventeen to to check at uh seventeen to check at uh Chesapeake. Took like thirty eight or something to win. Higher top end, higher check, lower top end, lower check. Gut reaction. Haven't practiced. Haven't done anything for it. What are your thoughts? Well, there was a college event there recently. I haven't been able to find it online, but the rumor is it was a two-dayer, and one day that one of the teams had 18 pounds on the red. You're yeah. licking your chops. Yeah, that means there's some big ones. All right, live from the VRBO in Grand Lake. Yeah. Horse Creek. Horse Creek in the house. 10th place in the overall standings. Three to go. Bradley Hallman, thank you for breaking down the Chesapeake Bay. Also, big shout out to Matt Looney of Pro Guide Batteries. If you do want a Pro Guide battery, I believe uh, the code is BTL10. Maybe just BTL. Maybe I should know what the code is if you want a discounted Pro Guide battery. (laughs) This has been BTL on a Tuesday. We have collegiate national champions from the Strike King College Bass National Championship. I believe it was on Winya Bay. Yeah. Those boys are going to talk about what it's like being national champions on tomorrow's BTL. So, Bradley, stay safe, stay healthy. I will see you in a couple days at the Red River. That's it. We're out. See ya.